0: A look at 80s music from Orange County, California. Music that came from here and music that came to here. Join me, your host, Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
1: sun and chill, dreamless sun to hear, sleigh bells in the snow.
0: And welcome to another episode of Behind the Orange Curtain. Behind the Orange Curtain explores music that came from Orange County, California to influence the rest of the world and music that made it to Orange County, California from around the world to influence those of us who lived here during the 1980s. This week, we'll look at Christmas in the 80s and bands that either covered or wrote originals for the holiday season. Christmas music comprises of a variety of genres and music regularly performed or heard around the Christmas season. Music associated with Christmas may be purely instrumental or in the case of carols or songs may employ lyrics whose subject matter ranges from the nativity of Jesus Christ to gift-giving and merrymaking to cultural figures such as Santa Claus among many other topics. Many songs simply have a winter or seasonal theme, or have been adopted into a canon for other reasons. While most Christmas songs prior to 1930 were of a traditional religious character, the Great Depression era of the 1930s brought a stream of songs of American origin, most of which did not explicitly reference the Christian nature of the holiday, but rather the more secular traditional Western themes and customs associated with Christmas. These included songs aimed at children such as Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as well as sentimental ballad-type songs performed by famous crooners of the era such as Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas and White Christmas, the latter of which remains the best-selling single of all time as of 2018. Performances of Christmas music at public concerts, in churches, and shopping malls, on city streets, and in private gatherings is an integral staple of the Christmas holiday in many cultures across the world. Radio stations often convert to a 24-7 Christmas music format leading up to the holiday, sometimes starting as early as the day after Halloween, as part of a phenomenon known as Christmas Creep. It's a Wonderful Life is not only a classic Christmas film, but it's a four-song Christmas EP released by the alternative rock band Fishbone in 1987. Side A featured It's a Wonderful Life, or also called Gonna Have a Good Time, and a song called Slick Nick, You Devil You, while the B-side had a track called Iration and another one called Just Call Me Scrooge. Here for you now is Slick Nick, UW, by Fishbone.
2: Slick Nick stole the reindeer from the zoo (laughs) (laughs) fell down my chimney with a cake In sky.
0: Next up, a song that was written and released by The Pretenders in 1983, as the preceding single to their 1984 album, Learning to Crawl. It was most popular in the UK, where it peaked at number 15 on the UK singles chart in December of 1983. In the US, it was released as a B-side of both the seven-inch single and the 12-inch single remix of the band's hit, Middle of the Road. Considered a Christmas song, It has been released on various Christmas compilation albums. While many people believe the song's title and lyrics refer to two long-distance lovers who miss each other over the holidays, it is actually written for James Honeyman Scott, the group's original guitar player who died a year before the song was released. Robbie McIntosh plays beautifully on 2000 Miles, singer Chrissy Hynde recalled. Anything to avoid listening to my voice and my stupid words. The official video features Hind dressed as a member of the Salvation Army in a snowy location. The song frequently reappears in the UK charts around Christmas time, staying in the charts for a few weeks over the Christmas period. Dave Marsh, in his 1989 book, The Heart of Rock and Soul, the 1001 Greatest Singles Ever Made, ranked 2,000 Miles as the 630th best song or soul single to that date and one of four songs by The Pretenders listed in the book. Here is 2,000 Miles by The Pretenders.
2: The snow's falling down Gets colder day by day I miss you I can hear people singing It must be Christmas time I hear people singing It must
0: be Christmas time. Band Aid were a charity supergroup featuring mainly British and Irish musicians and recording artists. It was founded in 1984 by Bob Geldof and Ure to raise money for anti-famine efforts in Ethiopia by releasing the song, Do They Know It's Christmas, for the Christmas market that year. On November 25, 1984, the song was recorded at SARM West Studios in Notting Hill. It was released in the UK on Monday, December 3rd. The single surpassed the hopes of the producers to become the Christmas number one on that release. Three subsequent re-recordings of the song to further raise money for the charity also topped the charts. First, the Band-Aid 2 version in 1989, and the Band-Aid 20 version in 2004, and finally the Band-Aid 30 version in 2014. The original was produced by Mid-Year, The 12-inch version was mixed by Trevor Horn. The supergroup was formed by Bob Geldof, who was then the lead singer of the Irish band, the Boomtown Rats. The BBC played a major role in capturing the poverty affecting Ethiopian citizens and thereby influenced Geldof to take action. Paula Yates, Bob Geldof's partner, is considered to have been the brains behind the original Band-Aid. It was she who became the driving force that inspired and helped Geldof to rally the most famous pop stars of the 1980s to raise money for famine relief in Ethiopia. The group was composed of 40 artists. The group's name stemmed from the idea that the musicians were providing aid to the less fortunate and suggested that their project was likened to putting a band-aid on a wound. Geldof was looking for support from all nations for Africa beginning in the United Kingdom. To do so, the artists recorded A hit single titled do they know it's christmas depicting the poverty-stricken african scenery of the time lyrics of the song included description of the country saying where nothing ever grows no rain or rivers flow do they know it's christmas time at all ethiopia follows the orthodox calendar where christmas is celebrated on the 7th of january however when the song was recorded during the 1983 to 85 famine in ethiopia The country had a communist government, and such religious festivals were not celebrated. Geldof was so moved by the plight of starvation and the children in Ethiopia that he decided to try to raise money using his contacts in pop music. Geldof enlisted the help of Midyur from the group Ultravox to produce a charity record. Yur took Geldof's lyrics and created the melody and the backing track for the record. Geldof called many of the most popular British and Irish performers of the time, persuading them to give their time free. His one criterion for selection was how famous they were, to maximize sales of the record. He then kept an appointment to appear on the show on BBC Radio 1 with Richard Skinner, but instead of promoting the new Boomtown Rats material as planned, he announced the plan for Band-Aid. The recording studio gave Band-Aid no more than 24 hours to record the mix of the record. On November 25th, 1984, the record took place at SA Studios or SARM Studios in Notting Hill between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. It was filmed by director Nigel Dick to be released as a pop video for some of the basic tracks that had been recorded the day before at Midjur's home studio. The first tracks to be recorded were the group, choir choruses which were filmed by the international press the footage was rushed to newsrooms where it aired while the remainder of the recording process continued later drums by phil collins were recorded the introduction of the song features a slowed down sample from a tears for fears track called the hurting released in 1983 tony hadley of spandau ballet was the first to record his vocal while a section sung by status quo was deemed unusable and replaced with a section comprising Paul Weller, Sting, and Glenn Gregory from Heaven 17. Simon Le Bon from Duran Duran sang between contributions from George Michael and Sting. Paul Young has since admitted in a documentary that he knew his opening lines were written for David Bowie, who was not able to make the recording, but made a contribution to the B-side. Bowie performed his lines at the Live Aid concert the following year. Boy George arrived last at 6 p.m. after Geldof woke him by phone to have him flown over from New York on a Concord to record his solo part. At the time, Culture Club were in the middle of a U.S. tour. The following morning, Geldof appeared on Radio 1 Breakfast Show with Mike Reed to promote the record and further to promise that every penny would go to the cause. This led to a standoff between the British government who refused to waive the VAT on sales of the single. Geldof made the headlines by publicly standing up to Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher and sensing the strength of the public feeling the government backed down and donated the tax back to the charity. The record was released on December 3rd, 1984 and went straight to number one in the UK singles chart outselling all other records in the chart put together it became the fastest selling single of all time in the uk selling a million copies the first week alone it stayed at number one for five weeks selling over three million copies and becoming easily the biggest selling single of all time in the uk it has since surpassed elton john's candle in the wind of 1997 his tribute to princess diana of wales but it's likely to keep selling in different versions for many years to come. In 1986, the original music video, Do They Know It's Christmas, won Band-Aid a Grammy Award nomination for Best Music Video. Here for you now is the extended version of Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid.
2: It's Christmas time there's no need to be afraid. At Christmas time, we let in light and we banish shade. And in our world of plenty, we can spread a smile of joy. Oh, your arms around the world at Christmas time. Stay! Hey. teacher. Uh, um, just have a good Christmas and uh, enjoy yourself
1: Hello. Hello. This is Food for the World. Hello.
2: This is Paul mccartney Hello. This is Paul mccartney Feed the World. Don't know who you sorry So I came over there. This, this is John from Couchgrass saying Feed the World. There are 11 million people starving in one country. It doesn't make you think Hello, this is slender Gregory here at 17. Wishing everybody a very Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Oh yeah, this is Stuart Arnoldstone. This is Tony Bat, this is Mark Brazicki, this is Bruce Watson from Big Country. Feed the people, stay alive.
1: This is Johnny Fingers from
2: the Town Labs, and I'd like to wish everyone a happy Christmas. This is David Bowie. It's Christmas 1984. And there are more starving folk on our planet than ever before. Please give a thought for them this season and do whatever you can, however small, to help them live. Have a peaceful New Year.
1: This record was recorded on the 25th of November 1984. It's now 8am on the morning of the 26th. We've been here 24 hours and I think it's time we went home. So from me, Bob, Geldof and Midge, we'd say good morning to you all. And a million thanks to everyone on the record. Have a lovely Christmas. Bye.
0: Christmas Rapping is a Christmas song by the American New Wave band The Waitresses. It was first released in 1981 on a compilation album, A Christmas Record, on ZE Records, and also appears on The Waitresses' 1982 EP, I Could Rule the World If I Could Only Get the Parts, and numerous Christmas holiday compilation albums. It was written and produced by Chris Butler with vocals by Patty Donahue. The song received positive reviews and AllMusic described it as one of the best holiday pop tunes ever recorded. In 1981, ZE Records asked each of its artists to record a Christmas song for a Christmas compilation album called simply, A Christmas Record. Songwriter Chris Butler wrote the song in August that year, assembling it from assorted unused riffs. He finished the lyrics in a taxi cab on the way to the recording studio. The lyrics came to Butler's hatred of Christmas. Everybody I knew in New York was running around like a bunch of fiends. It wasn't about joy. It was something to cope with. Written while hip-hop music was beginning to gain prominence, the song is Almost rapped by vocalist Patty Dongyu. Its title is a pun on rapping, and was a spoof on the name of the 1979 song Christmas Rappin' by Curtis Blow. Beyond that, the title is a play on the lyrics themselves. Butler explained in an interview that he liked the idea of the word rap, W-R-A-P, like wrap around, because the story is circular. The song was an immediate and unexpected success. According to Butler, the waitresses were in the middle of a difficult tour, and the Christmas song commission was the last thing that we wanted. He recalled later that its enthusiastic reception was a rejuvenating gift for the band. We do the Christmas song, forget about it, and go back on the road. The next thing I know when calling to New York is that it's all over the radio, and much to our surprise, it leaps over our heads and hits all the cities where we're headed, and all of a sudden, we're back on an upswing again. The song was released as a single in the U.K. in 1981 on Island Records. Although it did not make the charts that year, it was reissued in 1982 and reached number 45 on the official U.K. singles chart in December of 1982. Writing in 2005, Guardian Arts journalist Dorian Lynsey called the song fizzing, funky, dance-around-the-Christmas-tree music for Brooklyn hipsters. And all-music reviewer, Andy Hines, called it one of the best holiday pop tunes ever recorded. Here now for you is the long version of The Waitress's Christmas Wrapping.
3: Halls, trim those trees, raise up cups of Christmas here. I just need to catch my breath. Christmas by myself this year. Tell the picture from... Summertime out to the beach to his boat. Could I join him? No, this time it was me, sunburned in the third degree. Now the calendar's just one page. Of course, I am excited. Tonight's a night I've set my mind after to do my brothers
0: Christmas Baby Please Come Home is a rock song originally sung by Darlene Love and included on a 1963 seasonal compilation album, A Christmas Gift for You, from Phil Spector. The song was written by Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry. Phil Spector is also co-credited and Love was given a demo of it over the phone. She went to record the song in the studio, which became a big success over time and one of her signature tunes. Love's later song, All Alone on Christmas, which was used in the 1992 Christmas movie, Home Alone 2, referenced the song. A very special Christmas is the first of a very special Christmas series of Christmas-themed compilation albums produced to benefit the Special Olympics. The album was released on October 12, 1987, and production was overseen by Jimmy Lovine from A&M Records. A Very Special Christmas has raised millions of dollars for the Special Olympics. The cover artwork was designed by Keith Herring. On January 16, 1998, the album was certified quadruple platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America for shipment of 4 million copies in the United States. As of November of 2014, A Very Special Christmas is the 19th best-selling Christmas holiday album in the United States during the SoundScan era of music sales tracking. March of 1991 to present, having sold two and a half million copies, according to SoundScan. Singing a cover of this song is one of the most signature 80s post-punk and college rock bands, as they take this old holiday chestnut and make it their own. As Bono's typically overwrought vocal style fits the bittersweet quality of the tune perfectly, Bono has always had the ability to transform various styles of music into inspirational affairs, and here he does so with the same abandon that characterizes the band's best work. As such, the song dances on the verge of gospel with its sweeping epic delivery. This one makes Christmas heartache somehow much more bearable. Here's the Dublin boys singing, Christmas, baby, please come home it's Christmas, baby, please come home. Although there is agreement among the band that Fairy Tale of New York was first written in 1985, the origins of the song are disputed. McGowan insisted that it rose as a result of a wager made by the Pogues' producer at the time, Elvis Costello, that the band would not be able to write a Christmas hit single, while the Pogues' manager, Frank Murray, has stated that it was originally his idea that the band should try to write a Christmas song as he thought it would be interesting. Banjo player Finer came up with the melody and the original concept for the song, which was set in County Clare on Ireland's west coast, involving a sailor in New York looking out over the ocean and reminiscing about being back home in Ireland. Finer's wife, Marcia, did not like the original seafaring story and suggested new lyrics regarding a conversation between a couple at Christmas. Finer told NME I had written two songs complete with tunes. One had a good tune and crap lyrics, and the other had the idea for fairy tale, but the tune was poxy. I gave them both to Shane, and he gave it a Broadway melody, and there it was. The song's title, the musical structure, and its lyrical theme of a conversation between a couple were in place by the end of 1985, and were described by McGowan in an interview with Melody Maker in its 1985 Christmas issue. I sat down, I opened the sherry, got the peanuts out, and pretended it was Christmas. It's quite sloppy, but there's also a Cayley bit in the middle, which you can definitely dance to. Like a country and an Irish ballad, but one you can do a brisk waltz to, especially when you've got about three drinks inside of you. But the song itself is quite depressing in the end. It's about these old Irish-American Broadway stars who are sitting around at Christmas talking about whether things are going to be okay. McGowan had decided to name the song after J.P. Don Levy's 1973 novel A Fairy Tale in New York, which Feiner was reading at the time and had left lying around the recording studio. In the same Melody Maker interview, McGowan expressed regret that the song had not been completed in time to be released for Christmas that year, and hinted that the track would appear on an EP that the Pogues were due to record shortly, in January of 1986. The group recorded the song during the sessions with Costello that would produce Pogetry in Motion, an EP with bass player Kate O'Rourden singing the female part. Costello suggested naming the song Christmas Eve in the Drunk Tank after the song's opening lines, but the band were scornful of Costello's suggestion, with McGowan pointing out to Costello that the song with such a title was unlikely to be favorably received and played by radio stations. The majority of the lyrics had been written while McGowan was recovering in bed in Malmo after being struck down by double pneumonia during a Pogues tour in Scandinavia in late 1985. He later said, You get a lot of delirium and stuff, so I got quite a few good images out of that. However, despite several attempts at recording it, the group were unhappy with the results, and the song was temporarily put aside to be returned to at a later date. Guitarist Philip Chevron later said, It had not quite gotten there yet. It needed to have a full-on confident performance from the band, which it lacked. The producer of the final version, Steve Lillywhite, diplomatically described the version recorded with O'Rordan's vocals as not fully realized. In March of 1986, the Pogues toured the U.S. for the first time, the opening date of the tour, which was in New York City, a place which had long fascinated McGowan and which inspired him to write new lyrics for the song. Among the members of the city's Irish-American community who saw the show and visited the band backstage after the concert were filmmaker Peter Doherty and actor Matt Dillon. Both would later become friends with the Pogues and play important roles in the video for Fairy Tale of New York. Another inspiration was Sergio Leone's film Once Upon a Time in America, which McGowan and whistle player Spider Stacy would watch over and over again on the tour bus. Apart from shaping the ideas for the lyrics, McGowan wrote a slow piano-based introduction to Fairy Tale of New York, influenced by the film's score by Enino Marconi. The intro would later be edited together with a more upbeat original melody to create the final song. As 1986 went on, however, the Pogues encountered various problems that brought a halt to their recording activity. Their record label Stiff ran into financial difficulties and went into administration. Although as the label still owned the rights to the Pogues recordings, this meant that a distribution deal had to be negotiated with a new label to release any new Pogues material. The group's deteriorating relationship with Costello saw them part ways with their producer, and after increasingly erratic behavior, Kate O'Rourdon, who had become romantically involved with Costello, left the band in October of 1986. The departure of O'Rourdon meant the song had now lost its intended female singer. Here is that song, finally finished by the Pogues in 1987, A Fairy Tale of New York.
1: A sea of pain. In
2: the drunk tank An old man said to me I
1: won't see another
2: one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain dew I turned my face away
1: Undreamed about you. Got
2: on a lucky one. Chiming light into one. I've got a feeling.
1: This years were making you so happy Christmas. i Of New
2: York City. When, when the band, band finished playing, playing they, they held up for more. Sinatra was swinging, was all the jocks they were singing we, we kissed on the corner. Then I kept them with me by, I put them with my own. Can't make it all alone, I built my dreams around you. The boys in the NYPD chorus are singing, go away by, and the bells are ringing out for Christmas Day.
0: Happy Christmas, War is Over was the culmination of more than two years of peace activism undertaken by John Lennon and Yoko Ono that began with the bed ins when they convened in March and May of 1969 the first of which took place during their honeymoon. The song's direct antecedent was an international multimedia campaign launched by the couple in December of 1969. At the height of the counterculture movement and its protest against America's involvement in the Vietnam War that primarily consisted of renting billboard space in 12 major cities around the world for the display of black and white posters that declared, War is over. Recognizing the accessibility and popular appeal that made in 1971 in a single titled Imagine, a commercial success compared with other songs he had released up to that point, Lennon concluded, I now understand what you have to do. Put your political message across with a little honey. He conceived Happy Christmas, War is Over, as a means of elaborating upon the themes of social unity and peaceful change enacted through personal accountability and empowerment that served as a basis of the earlier billboard campaign trying to convey optimism while avoiding the sentimentality that he felt often characterized christmas songs from 1963 to 1969 the beatles had issued special recordings at christmas directly to members of their fan club after the group disbanded in 1970 lennon was the first former member to release an original christmas song Happy Christmas, War is Over would be followed by George Harrison's Ding Dong, Ding Dong in 1974, Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time in 1979, and Ringo Starr's album I Want to Be Santa Claus in 1999. During the early 80s, the Alarm were seen as rivals to U2, although Bono and Mike Peters were friends. They were a Welsh variation of the passionate Dublin Quartet, driven by the same righteous anger, anthemic hooks, and love for the Clash. They never quite matched their inspirations in terms of sales or critical respect, despite a series of acclaimed records that were minor sensations during the 80s. By the time the Career Retrospect Standards was released in late 1990, the band had already been somewhat forgotten, partially because they never had a big crossover hit, and also because they were forever tied to the Reagan-Thatcher era. Consequently, the alarm were relegated to also-ran status and nearly forgotten by anyone who didn't actively read music press in the 1980s. Not an entirely fair fate, yet not an entirely undeserved one either. Listening to standards, a thoroughly respective basic collection of their singles and significant album tracks, confirms that the band were certainly not without talents or charms, But they suffered at the hands of the -the state-of-the-art record production. They have a number of solid, anthemic songs. 68 Guns, Marching On, Spirit of 76, Sold Me Down the River, among some of them. But it's hard to hear them as anything other than the product of their times. Largely due to the glossy, shiny production, such studio skills were evidently designed to make the band sound a bit like U2. But the band's music didn't have the jagged edges of U2. It was straight ahead driving rock derived from the earnestness of folk rock and the clash's huge rallying sound this is not necessarily a bad thing and it did produce some satisfying music all of which is included on this album but it ultimately produced music that was a sign of the times not music that transcended it the alarm remain an interesting footnote because ironically They strove to make music mean something in a slick commercial age. They were constantly plagued by overly slick productions, an irony only the 80s could produce, actually. Still, The Alarm is one of my favorite bands of the 80s. And off this album, the standards album, was a track, Happy Christmas. Here's the boys doing Happy Christmas, War is Over, The Alarm.
2: So this is Christmas and what have you done Another year over and you one just begun So this is Christmas I hope you have fun The near and the day one, The old and the young And so this is Christmas. For weak and for strong, for rich and for poor, the road is so long and so happy. without any fear. War is over if you want it. War is over now. And so this is Christmas, for black and full. It's a
0: ne n'est le divin enfant. He is born the divine child. It's a traditional French Christmas carol. The song was published for the first time in 1862 by R. Grosjean. The text of the carol was published for the first time in a collection of ancient carols published in either 1875 or 1876 by Dom G. Le The text of the carol details the birth of Jesus and the weight of 4,000 years for this event, as foretold by the prophets. It both observes the humility of Christ's birth in a stable, and calls on the kings of Orient to attend the child. The lyrics in English are translated as, He is born, the heavenly child. Oboes play, set bagpipes sounding, He is born, the heavenly child. Let all sing his nativity. Tis 4,000 years and more, prophets have foretold his coming. Tis 4,000 years and more, we have waited this happy hour. Ah, how lovely, ah, how fair, what perfection in his graces. Ah, how lovely, ah, how fair, child divine, so gentle there. In a stable lodged is he, straw is all he has for a cradle. In a stable lodged is he, Oh, how great humility. Jesus, Lord, O King with power, though a little babe, you come here. Jesus, Lord, O King with power, rule over us for this glad hour. Now, Susie the Banshees did a version of this song. It was on a flip side of their song Melt. It was released in 1982 by record label Polydor as a double A-sided single and the second and final single from the band's fifth studio album, A Kiss in the Dreamhouse. Although, this Christmas song does not appear on that album. This track was exclusive to the single and remained unreleased on LP or CD for many years until the appearance of Susie and the Banshees box set, Downside Up, in 2004. Here it is for you now, Susie and the Banshees. E- It's Christmas was a rare song writing collaboration between Roger Taylor and Brian May, iconic members of the band Queen. The song spent six weeks in the UK charts over the Christmas and New Year period from 1984 to 1985. It enjoyed a second lease of life in Christmas of 1995, coupled with the hit single A Winner's Tale from the Made in Heaven album. Here, in this version in 1995, the track receives a fully animated production. The concept for this new animated film came directly from Brian and Roger, who explained their thoughts behind it, with Roger saying, Ironically, Christmas tends to be such a stressful time for so many of us. So many emotions, joyful memories of past Christmases, as delighted children and responsible adults and parents. It's just a great relief when it finally happens. Brian adds, the video goes a little further by including a subtle reminder that we as humans now need to feel a responsibility for the welfare of all creatures on earth, not just for our own benefit and that of our grandchildren, but out of respect for the rights of the animals themselves. Here is Thank God It's Christmas by Queen.
2: One wow. night
0: Christmas is a song by English pop duo Wham released on Epic Records and internationally on MCA records in December of 1984 on a double A side with everything she wants. It was written and produced by George Michael and has been covered by many artists since its original release in a UK wide poll in December of 2012. It was voted eighth on the ITV television special, the nation's favorite Christmas song. It was the most played Christmas song of the 21st century in the UK until it was overtaken by Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues in 2015. Last Christmas had its beginnings in 1984 while George Michael and Andrew Ridgeley were visiting Michael's parents. It was written by Michael in his childhood bedroom. Michael played Ridgeley the introduction in the chorus melody to Last Christmas, which Ridgeley later called a moment of wonder. The song was recorded in August of 1984 at AdVision Studios in London, England. George Michael wrote, performed, produced, and played every single instrument on the track. With a Lynn 9000 drum machine, a Roland Juno 60 synth, and sleigh bells, they began recording the song in the summer. The only people in the studio were engineer Chris Porter and two assistants. According to Porter, lyrically, you got the happiness of the rhythm track against... What You've Got, A Sadness of Unrequited Love. Wham! already had two number one songs in the 1984 UK singles chart, and news that they were planning a Christmas single meant that the battle for the coveted Christmas number one spot in the UK seemed to be set between Wham! and the year's other big act, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, who achieved a third number one in early December with The Power of Love. However, the Band-Aids single written by Bob Geldof in mid-year produced the number one single, Do They Know It's Christmas, while Wham! offering peaked at number two for much of the period. Wham! donated last Christmas and Everything She Wants royalties to Ethiopian Famine. In subsequent years, the song reached the middle echelons of the UK singles chart on a regular basis. Last Christmas has sold over 1.9 million copies as of February 2020 and is the biggest selling single in UK chart history not to reach number one and in its 10th place in the ranking of best-selling singles of all time in the United Kingdom. It was certified three times platinum in November of 2020. In December of 2019, it peaked at number one on both the UK official vinyl singles chart and the official video streaming chart. The following week, the song set a new UK chart record and was streamed 17.1 million times, the most number of plays in a week. It became the UK's best-selling vinyl single release in 2019. Here is Wham! and Last Christmas. Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight, first slipped out as a B-side in 1987 to the single, I Want to Live. It was as Joey a song as you could imagine. The one, four, five chord progression that can be traced back to their first single, Blitzkrieg Bop. Yes, a definite article did appear in the seven inch sleeve pendants. And beyond to its pre-history of rock, the yearning plaintive tone of both Joey's voice and lyrics, in retrospect, it's hard not to see this as a plea to his bandmate and arch enemy guitarist, Johnny Ramone. And of course, the innocence that marked him out of every other punk. All the children are tucked into their beds, sugar plum fairies danced in their heads. No one noticed the song at the time. I Wanna Live failed to chart in the US or the UK, but it seems to have taken on a new afterlife since the demise of the Ramones. This last weekend, I heard it in two different bars, over the radio. It's never going to rival Phil Spector's A Christmas Gift for You. Nor does it deserve to be counted among the greatest Christmas songs ever. But if it gets the greatest band in the history of rock music in front of any kind of new audience, well, that will be enough. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight. Here's the Ramones.
1: Merry Christmas, I don't want to five tonight with Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight. It always do.
0: Silent night is a popular christmas carol composed in 1818 by franz xavier gruber to lyrics by joseph moore in a small town in salzburg austria it was declared an intangible cultural heritage by unesco in 2011 the song has been recorded by many singers across many music genres The version sung by Bing Crosby in 1935 is the fourth best-selling single of all time. Now on an album titled A Lump of Coal, it was an Australian compilation of Christmas music. And featured on it was this song performed by the Primitives. Here's Silent Night. Thanks for Christmas is a song by the English band XTC, credited as The Three Wise Men, and written by Andy Partridge. It was released by Virgin Records in late 1983 as a holiday single, backed with Countdown to Christmas Party Time. The song made its first album appearance on the 1990 compilation album Rag and Bone Buffet, Rare Cuts and Leftovers. Thanks for Christmas was a novelty song recorded to test Crescent Studio owners David Lord's potential as a producer for XTC. It was recorded in late 1983, shortly before sessions commenced for the album, The Big Express in 1984. Originally, the group wanted to be credited as the Virgin Marys for the single, but the record label objected. According to Partridge, I like the idea of anonymous music, and I thought I'd put together a song and then find an act to do it. It is the only instance in the band's catalog where Partridge and Molding share lead vocals. Here is Thanks for Christmas by XTC, or in this case, The Three Wise Men. Wonderland is a song written in 1934 by Felix Bernard and lyricist Richard Bernhard Smith. Due to its seasonal theme, it's often regarded as a Christmas song in the Northern Hemisphere. Since its original recording by Richard Himber, it has been covered over 200 times by different artists. The song's lyrics were about a couple's romance during the winter season. A late version of Winter Wonderland, which was printed in 1947, included a new children's lyric that transformed it from a romantic winter interlude to a seasonal song about playing in the snow. The snowman mentioned in the song's bridge was changed from a minister to a circus clown. And the promises of the couple made in the final verse were replaced with lyrics about frolicking. Singers like Johnny Mathis connected both versions of the song, giving Winter Wonderland an additional verse and an additional chorus. Here is the Eurythmics performing Winter Wonderland.
2: Over the ground lies a mantle of white, a heaven of diamonds shine out through the night. Two hearts are thrilling, in spite of the chill in the weather. Love knows no season, love knows no climb. Romance can blossom any old time. Here in the open, we're walking and hoping together. Sleigh bells ring.
0: Coventry Carol is an English Christmas carol dating from the 16th century. The carol was traditionally performed in Coventry in England as part of a mystery play called The Pageant of the shearmen and tailors. The play depicts the Christmas story from chapter two in the Gospel of Matthew. The carol itself refers to the massacre of innocents, which Herod ordered all male infants under the age of two in Bethlehem to be killed and takes the form of a lullaby sung by mothers of doomed children. The music contains a well-known example of Picardy third. The author is unknown. The oldest known text was written down by Robert Crewe in 1534, and the oldest known setting of the melody dates 1591. There is an alternative modern setting of the carol by Kenneth Layton and another by Philip Stopford. A version of this song appears on A Very Special Christmas from 1987, sung by Alison Moyet, who is a Basildon girl born to a French father and an English mother, having left school at age 16. She began her musical journey in punk bands and on the Canvey Island pub rock scene. Her studying piano came to an abrupt halt when Only You became a worldwide hit for her and Vince Clark, the duo otherwise known as Yazoo. Completely by accident, she found herself thrust into the spotlight of the mainstream pop world. Yazoo went on to reinvent British dance music, merging cool synthesized soundscapes with Soul. Two albums and a Brit Award for Best New Band, later aged a just 23-year-old as she signed a solo deal with Columbia, and a multi-million selling debut, ALF, released in 1984. The album spawned three UK Top 10 hits and wins her a Brit for the Best Female Artist. In 1985, Moyer performed at the legendary First Live Aid concert, and her next album, 1987's Rain Dancing, gained her a third Brit. From Wembley Arena, a world tour follows. But here for you now is Alison Moyer's interpretation of the Coventry Carol. Little Drummer Boy, originally known as Carol of the Drum, is a popular Christmas song written by the American classical music composer and teacher Catherine Kendicott Davis in 1941. First recorded in 1951 by the Trapp family singers, the song has been re-released and many versions have followed. In the lyrics, the singer relates to how a poor young boy was summoned by the Magi to the nativity of Jesus. Without a gift for the infant, the little drummer boy played his drum with approval from Jesus' mother, Mary, recalling, I played my best for him, and he smiled at me. The song was originally titled Carol of the Drum and was published by Davis based upon a traditional Czech song. Davis's interest was in producing material for amateur and girls' choirs. Her manuscript is set as a choral in which the tune is a soprano melody with an alto harmony, tenor and bass parts producing the drum rhythm. In our episode of Australian Bands, there was a band that we mentioned and played, the Hoodoo Gurus. Here is their version of Little Drummer Boy, also known as Up the Khyber. It features sitar and surf guitars. O, Little Town of Bethlehem is a Christmas carol based on an 1868 text written by Phillips Brooks. The carol is popular on both sides of the Atlantic, but to different tunes. In North America, to St. Louis by Brooks collaborator, Louis Redner, and in the United Kingdom and Ireland to Forest Green, a tune collected by Ralph Vaughan Williams and first published in 1906 in an English hymnal. The text is written by Phillips Brooks, an Episcopal priest, then rector of church of the Holy Trinity, Philadelphia, and later of Trinity Church in Boston. He was inspired by visiting the village of Bethlehem in the Sanjak of Jerusalem in 1865. Three years later, he wrote the poem for his church, and his organist, Louis Redner, added the music. Now, there's a band called the Young Fresh Fellows, and they're an American alternative rock group that was formed in 1981 in Seattle, Washington. Scott McKahee and Chuck Carroll, Tad Hutchinson and Chuck Carroll's first cousin, joined for the recording of the group's debut album in 1983. Probably their biggest song to date is a song called Amy Grant a comical song about contemporary Christian music and pop music artist Amy Grant from the album The Men Who Loved Music. From 1994 to 2011, McCaughey was the fifth member of R.E.M., playing guitar with the band both on stage and in the studio. The band name is mentioned in the They Might Be Giants song, Twisting, and in Big Salty Tears by the Ziggins, which was later covered by Bradley Knoll of Sublime, on the album Sublime Acoustic, Bradley Nolan Friends. The tribute album for one of the Fellows 2004 features 20 covers of Young Fresh Fellows songs by artists, including Presidents of the United States of America, Robin Hitchcock, and The Makers. The President's cover was featured on Benderama, an episode of Futurama. Here's the Young Fresh Fellows performing O Little Town of Bethlehem.
2: So God imparts in human hearts the blessing of His hand. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us abide with us.
0: Three Kings, the original title, Three Kings of Orient, also known as We Three Kings of Orient Are, or The Quest of the Magi, is a Christmas carol that was written by John Henry Hopkins, Jr. in 1857. At the time of composing the carol, Hopkins served as the rector of Christ Episcopal Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and he wrote the carol for a Christmas pageant in New York City. Many versions of the song have been composed, and it remains a popular Christmas carol. In 1987, there was a band formed in Vancouver, British Columbia, consisting of vocalist, guitarist, Greg Northey and Stephen Drake, both of whom had led different bands appearing on Vancouver music compilation album, Spotlight 86, bassist, Doug Elliott, and drummer, Paul Brennan. Pat Stewart was originally asked to be the band's drummer, but he declined. The band members claim that their name came from when Brennan asked Drake in a town somewhere on the BC coast, What are the odds of us ever escaping bullshit gigs like this? In the late 1980s, the band played up to four nights a week as a 1960s and 1970s cover band called Dawn Patrol at the Roxy Nightclub in Vancouver. While playing as odds on weekends and funding their own demo recordings at Crosstown Studios in North Vancouver, hoping for a break, they traveled to Los Angeles doing showcases and eventually signed to Zoo Entertainment. What are the odds that these guys would pump out a great Christmas version of Kings of Orient? Well, the odds are pretty good. And here it is for you now.
2: We three kings of Orient Bearing gifts, we traverse so afar, field and fire.
0: Although an 80s band, this song was recorded in 2002. It's a song by the Pet Shop Boys called Happy Birthday Boy. An interview with Neil and Chris posted on the boys' official website reveals the genesis of this enigmatic track. Neil was stuck for ideas for lyrics to an appealing chord sequence that Chris had developed. Chris picked up a newspaper and noted a reference to A Birthday Boy, which, Struck Neil as a promising start. It was around Christmas time, which made Neil think of Jesus Christ as a birthday boy, who also happened to be a figure of martyrdom. This brought to mind a pair of other, much more recent martyr figures Stephen Lawrence, a black teenager who had been killed by racists in London, and Matthew Shepard, a young gay man murdered in Wyoming. Neil views these two modern-day Christ figures, who had, in essence, died for our sins, young men whose tragic, violent, untimely deaths resulted in greater awareness and understanding. From pain comes pity, forcing people, as Neil has put it, to confront their own hatred. From another angle, Neil stated that his 2018 book, 100 Lyrics and a Poem, that he imagined Jesus coming back to earth on the eve of his birthday, and being murdered, dying for all of our sins all over again. The line, he's been through this all before, is in fact a reference to the words of Jesus translated in the King James Version of the Bible. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of these least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That is the persecution of another, and particularly those who are disadvantaged or underprivileged is tantamount to persecution of Christ himself. If only more professed Christians would remember that, he says. The virtual riddle posed by the lyrics, if you knew his name, would you feel the same, is explained by Neil in this way. If you knew he was Jesus, would you still be killing him? The sheer profundity of it all is heightened by the music. A slow, dirge-like arrangement provides an almost creepy air of mystery and foreboding. Yet during the chorus and the bridge, the melody positively soars, building with sweeping epic intensity. Its power ballad-like arrangements even features a legato hard rock guitar solo, only it's actually played on keyboard by Chris. In sum, It's an incredibly powerful musical and lyrical statement. As such, Birthday Boy stands as one of the Pet Shop Boys' great triumphs, although to be honest, some fans seem to dislike it intensely. Here is Birthday Boy by the Pet Shop Boys.
2: If you
0: She Won't Be Home is, of course, a perfect example of a very specific genre. The Christmas song which is so exquisitely sad, it makes you forget how stressful being at home for the holidays can actually be, and which compels you to race there immediately, laden with gifts and short-lived good intentions. Of many things I love about She Won't Be Home, what I particularly like is how it starts out in a Salvation Army band style with a lovely, lonely horn. Of course, this intro sort of primes you for a ballad, but then it fizzes to life and turns into a proper up-tempo classic erasure number with extra special twinkly bits. It's quite amazing. Things that are great about this song are as follows. Andy's vocal, the backing singers, the horn coming back in during the middle eight, and the gorgeous noodly little refrain that pops up right at the end, which makes you want to put it on again and again and just get back to it. Here it is for you now. Erasure. She won't be home. MTV had a big year, soaring from scrappy upstar to hotly demanded cable network during the few months that followed its August 1st debut. Billy Squire had a banner year as well, enjoying triple platinum top five successes with his second solo effort, Don't Say No. So it only made sense that he and MTV would get together to celebrate the channel's first holiday season on the air. In those early days, the network's aesthetic was far more low budget with a studio that felt truly lived in and on-air personalities who seemed like a de facto family. Although videos were definitely the focus, there was still room for the unexpected during MTV's live bits and it wasn't totally out of the ordinary to see deviations from standard programming like Weird Al Yankovic Network Takeover on April Fool's Day of 1984. All of which is to say that while it'd be surreal today to see a recording artist leading MTV's VJs and staffers through an on-air holiday sing-along at the time, it was perfectly an MTV thing to do. In an interview with VJ Nina Blackwood, she says it was taped at our original Teletronic Studio on West 33rd Street and featured our original studio crew who we all loved and were very close to, along with all the people from the MTV offices. Everybody tramps down to the studio from 44th Street and 6th Avenue for the taping. Billy Squire's career was on fire at the time, and since he lived in New York City, he was quite frequently a guest in the studio, so it was appropriate that he was chosen for the video. For Blackwood's fellow VJ, Martha Quinn, the experience has remained her favorite MTV moment. If I had to go back in time and revisit one day, like if I could get into that DeLorean and go back to that one moment, this would be it. What you see in the video, it was recorded within months of our launch and we were all so starry-eyed, such believers. We were rebels with a cause. Everyone you see in the video, they were technicians, the secretaries, executives, the production assistants. We were all one big happy family fighting for MTV. We believe so strongly in the power of rock and roll that you can really see it there. Squire performing his B-side cut, Christmas is the Time to Say I Love You, helped begin an MTV tradition that lasted for f- the first five years of the channel's existence. Cutting the first in a series of Christmas videos that would later grow to include appearances by George Thorogood, Brian Adams, Yes singer John Anderson, and the Monkees. As the network grew into a ratings powerhouse and was ultimately absorbed into the corporate structure, priorities shifted in those holiday videos along with the shaggy spirit that shone through during the early years faded away but for those of us who were there, it remains goofily entertaining proof of what you can accomplish with a few cameras and a dream. Pretty much what you see on camera is an accurate representation of the celebratory and fun feeling that was happening, Blackwood said. It was like one big happy family, which sums up the entire vibe of the early days of MTV, one-of-a-kind experience When I watch all these early MTV Christmas videos, the overwhelming sensation I come away with is that of joyous love. Here is Billy Squire's song, Christmas is the time to say I love you with the MTV cast and crew.
2: Hi, I'm Billy Squire. On behalf of myself and everyone here at MTV, I'd like to wish you all a happy holiday season and a terrific new year. Christmas is the time to say I love you.
0: for Crandall's Crucial Cut. This week's Crucial Cut will lead us into next week's topic. Next week's episode, we'll look at power pop bands of the eighties. Power pop is a form of pop rock based in the early music of bands such as the Who, the Beatles, the Beach Boys and the Birds. It originated in the mid 1960s as young music fans began to rebel against the emerging pretensions of rock music and developed mainly among American musicians who came of age during the British invasion. The genre typically incorporates melodic hooks, vocal harmonies, energetic performances, and happy-sounding music underpinned by a sense of yearning, longing, or despair. The term power pop was coined by The Who's Pete Townsend in 1967 to describe their style of music. However, the term became more widely identified with subsequent artists from the 1970s who sought to revive Beatles-style pop. The sound of the genre became more established thanks to early 1970s hits by Badfinger, The Raspberries, and Todd Rundgren. Subsequent artists occasionally drew from developments such as new wave punk, glam rock, pub rock, college rock, and neo-psychedelia. Tonight, I'm adding one of my favorite power pop bands. Although not from the 80s, they are a perfect representation and tie into the Christmas theme as they perform their original... Wonderful Life, about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. The lyrics, harmonies, and guitar driven rock really are the perfect example of power pop. Formed in Los Angeles in 1995, the Tories have generated an international following through extensive touring, top 10 video exposure, on M2, numerous local and national television appearances, Entertainment Tonight, MTV, VH1, WB, Fox, USA, E, ESPN, and by composing and performing Time for You, the theme song from NBC's hit television series, Jesse, starring Christina Applegate. The Tories' debut album, Wonderful Life, establishes the band's trademark for power pop and their sound and features some of their most memorable music. The band is made up of Steve Bertrand, vocals and guitar, J.J. Ferris, guitar and vocals, James Guffey on bass and vocals, and Brent Klopp on drums. And so, until next time, so long and farewell, here's the Tories and wonderful life. two here. Join me, your host, Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hey,
2: uh, Clarice, hey, uh, after practice, would you, would you? Rudolph, you get back here. It's your turn, you know. Gee, I gotta go back. R- would you want to go with me? Uh-huh. Rudolph? I think you're cute.